Welcome to the Rehab Rebels podcast. Are you a rehab professional ready to transition to an alternative career? Hear inspiring stories from others just like you and learn the best ways to bridge your career gap. This podcast has you covered. Now here's your host, doctor of physical therapy and podcaster, Tanner Welsh. Tanita, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Rehab Rebels podcast. I would like you to introduce yourself, maybe give us a little bit about where you grew up, where you went to speech path school, and then what you're doing now, and we'll lead up into how you got there. Sure. Happy to be here also. I am Dr. Tanita Kearney. Most of my kids call me Dr. T. Friends call me Tanita. All that's me. (laughs) I actually am from New York, grew up in Brooklyn and Staten Island. I got my feet wet with my first experience of, if you will, speech pathology type work in high school. One of my guidance counselors suggested that I and another friend of mine work at a school that worked with students with autism. And I had no prior experience, no idea, but I loved it and forgot that experience existed until I got to college. When I discovered, oh, there's actually a name to a whole profession that works with this group of kiddos, not just the teachers that I hadn't seen in that environment. So I remembered all the fun I had in high school and was like, let me explore this a bit more. I actually had started off as a journalism major and quickly switched to explore speech pathology in my undergraduate year and then stayed with it, got all three of my degrees in speech pathology. Perfect. Where did you go to speech fest school? I went to school for all my degrees, actually, at Howard University. (laughs) I decided to travel not too far from home, but just far enough. And of course, once I got accepted into Howard, my entire family decided to move to Arizona. So a little warmer, a lot further, but it was good. (laughs) And what are you currently doing now as a speech path? I still work part time in the school. So I work in one school three days a week. I do my private practice the remainder of the time, and I've merged, I'm sure we'll get more into merged or switched rather from therapy-based private practice more to a different service, which I think we'll dive more into. But that's how I split my time right now. Awesome. Could you tell us a little bit about shortly after graduating speech path school, what some of your your first job was like or your first few jobs and experiences you had there, and then we'll... Then I'll pop the big question. Well, what made you decide to open up your own practice? I have always wanted to be a school-based SLP. And so all of my experience, well, the majority of my experience has been in schools. When I first graduated, I was in D.C. public school system. Then I quickly switched over to the Prince George's County public school system since I moved to Maryland. And I've done non-public and public school settings in both those areas for the majority of my time. I did a short stint in a home health situation. It was interesting, but definitely not my thing. I I like the kiddos. The younger, the better. My thing is elementary school, and that's what I'm sticking to. So what made you want to start your own speech path business? I think like many of my sisters and brothers in the speech path profession, Working in a school every single day, five days a week can quickly burn you out. If you are in a district that has a large number of kiddos like mine, and so my caseloads, watching them balloon every year was just not fun, right? It was taking the natural gift and the love and joy that I had 
and really diminishing that year after year after year. And so I decided, okay, can't keep this up. I still want to do what I love, but I need to rediscover why I love it. Let's just take a break from schools and just do it at my pace, pick the clientele and do that from a practice standpoint. What was the pain point that you're willing to share from transitioning, making this transition to, you know, working in the school setting to opening up your speech path business? And then how did you overcome this challenge or pain point? It was definitely getting into the world of insurance, right? Making that decision, really. Do I accept insurance? Do I not? If I do, which insurance do I accept? Is that going to be enough, you know, to sustain me? And all those questions. That was the initial pain point with starting the business. Quickly learned that insurance just does not pay you anywhere what you're worth (laughs) at all. The expertise we come with is not rewarded (laughs) with insurance payment. And so to get over that, I had to jump over another hurdle, which was, okay, well, I'm liking this freedom. I'm not really enjoying how the pay is not matching up, but I'm also missing the colleagues and being around people, right? So how do I marry the two? So that's how I got to the point of doing part-time in schools and part-time private practice. That answered all the questions, checked all the boxes. I love that. I've heard the same thing from a couple other speech paths I've talked to that the value that you guys are providing and really, you know, the services you're giving to a lot of the parents too is way more than what the insurance is really willing to reimburse you. And that's where they realized a no-brainer to go to a cash-based model or something like that to where you guys get reimbursed really for the quality of service that you offer. What would you say it takes for somebody to build up their own SLP practice and be successful? My goodness, it takes a lot. I can only speak to I get my personal experience, right? For me, it really took just a lot of front-end research and I get a lot of assistance, a huge amount of support actually from a organization that I've joined for speech pathologists specifically who have private practices. That just the listserv alone is a great way to tap into your colleagues all across the nation who are in private practice, the same struggle you have, and get some tips, uh, avoid some pitfalls from them as well. That's been just a lifesaver. Don't ask me what the name is now. Says, eight-letter acronyms, but I can certainly get that to you at some point, but it it certainly has been a great resource for me. For sure, yeah. I'd love that. We'd include it in the show notes for listeners to check out. Yeah. Sure. What's your day-to-day life like, your your weeks or your daily schedule? Day-to-day typically is uh, a three-day. I go into a school, elementary school, three days a week, Tuesday through Thursday. I'm going into a building about seven hours having, you know, a great time seeing my kiddos and doing my work and then turning all that work completely off. So the very next day I step foot in that building. And then on Mondays and Fridays, I work from home with more of the practice type stuff. So I'm not seeing any clients, but I will, I do have one client that I actually see. But outside of that little kiddo, I don't see any clients. I'm working on training materials and services that I provide in schools for school teams. It's just just do that work and then pick my two kiddos up and then switch all work off again, go into mommy play mode and then, you know, hit reset for the next day. Sounds pretty busy. It is, but it's a good kind. 
What are some of the services or products that you offer? Who are they for? And when would it be good for somebody to reach out for those services? I do offer services and products. So in terms of products, I working in the elementary school setting, it's very easy and quick to realize that you tend to work on these same skills with new sets of kids, right? Especially my kindergartners coming into me. I was seeing them for the same types of things. And these were actually some skills that they didn't need necessarily my expertise to address if their parents and caregivers and communities before they got to school, were able to use some tools and resources in the right way to instill and build these skills before they got to me. And so that birthed my book series. So I do have the Lola Koala's Travel Adventures board book series for the youngest kiddos, about two, even through school age, six, seven, to lift the flat board book. And each book targets a specific language skill that I found I was always working on. So the first book targets how to answer who, what, where, and yes, no questions. Using those lift the flaps and kids love that. It's actually that book right there. The second book is coming out shortly. I'm excited about it. And that will be targeting a whole different skill that will be following directions, which is, again, something I'm always working on with my kiddos. So that's the product. I also have activity kits that pair with that book series called Koala Kits. And then I have a whole different branch of services that's targeting not so much parents and kiddos directly, but school teams, right? And the other side of the problem, which is, okay, how do we prepare teachers to also undergird these kiddos with language skills they need? If there is a problem, how can they attack those more efficiently in the classroom and help us not to get these huge numbers of referrals that really don't always require our expertise to address, right? So I do school team training as well to address that side of the issue, as well as some parent trainings and different professional development things for parents as well. I love that. With the school training, is it basically something that all the teachers at the school would attend and you would educate all of them? It's not certain teachers or a specific group of teachers. It's as a whole, you're educating all of them. Is that right? That's exactly right. It is teachers. If you work in a school building with children in any capacity, it's appropriate for you, right? That's administrators, resource teachers, general education and special education teachers, any support staff in the classrooms. Absolutely. That's great. So since you created a book, I got to ask you some book questions. How did you get that off the ground? What's the pain point with trying to get a book published and author a book? And how did you do it? Can you share some insights with your journey? Absolutely. Outside of writing the thing, right, which is just a very tricky thing, especially when you're trying to write a rhyming book that makes sense. That was its own beast. But getting past that, it was, okay, yes, how do I get this published? For me, I just found it easier. It made most sense to me to do a self-published route. But there are a lot of options you have when your book is a regular standard paperback or hard copy book. I took it to a whole new level with this board book that had to lift the flaps, right? So even more difficulty trying to find how am I going to print this? Who can I go to to print this? How much is it going to cost? Finding a printer, Print Ninja was the company I went with. Very reputable. But that price was extraordinary. So tackling how do I cover this without pulling from my own personal savings, an answer to that pain point was to do crowdfunding. 
And so I did a Kickstarter campaign, researched what do I do before starting it? I had to get an illustrator, whatever you call it. I think it was an illustrator at this point so many years ago. Then getting the enticement for people that want to fund it. Thank the Lord. It was fully funded. I exceeded my goal. I mean, that allowed me truly to get this project off the ground. At this point, I'm just trying to continue to get the word out, which is a third pain point because I'm a speech pathologist, not a marketing expert, trying to balance what's important to me versus social media posts and things to keep the book and interest alive. It definitely is still a struggle, but building up a team to take that pain point away from me is not to think about it as much anymore. A lot of us struggle with any sort of online presence is how, how are you going to get the word out and how are you going to market it? And you only have so much time. So finding strategies that work and platforms that work for you and your audience are key when it comes to that. For the crowdfunding, I've never done this or really looked into it or researched it, but is that something that you get the funds and then I'm assuming you have to pay the people back that funded it? Is there an interest they get more than what they paid? No, they don't get anything back. They come into it knowing that they're funding your idea, right? Your product, whatever it is. So how it works is they fund, they give whatever the donation, I guess you will, that they want to. And then what you give them in return is whatever you've promised, right? So there are different tiers. For example, let's say you gave between one and $25, you get this prize, if you will, right? Maybe it's a digital coloring book or something of that nature from the book. If you give between $26 and $50, you get this next level of product or experience from the creator. So that's what I did. So there were four different tiers of prizes that I gave based on how much people donated to the project. And then at the end, once you're fully funded, all you're really thinking of is, okay, how much do you need to allocate to shipping out any of the physical products or creating if you need to create whatever products you are promising people? But that's about it. And the rest goes directly to funding your project, which is the point of, you know, the money. So, yeah. That's cool. Nice. I didn't know all that. Thanks for sharing. We also dived a little bit into being an author and books and some of the processes too on episode 28 with Monica Rowe. So for Rebel listeners that are interested in learning more about that, that's another episode that we talk about some of the publishing and authoring and all that stuff. So what is something that you've realized? It can be life awareness. It's a big open-ended question that you've realized from this journey, you know, graduating speech path uh, school to getting where you are now. Two things. So one, I realized really just how passionate I was not just about doing my job, but really empowering parents and caregivers. I think as clinicians, most of us, we love children. We love helping them and seeing how what we do impacts their lives. But I love more, if that's accurate, I'm not sure if it's more, but equally as much, I'll say, empowering the caregivers. I think the more I've done this, the more I've realized how little influence I have and how much more influence everyone in that child's life has. So I'm seeing some really great progress and thinking, well, Tanita, you're seeing this and you only see this child once a week. What greater things can they do if we empower their parents, their caregivers in a way that was easy for them, didn't seem another chore for them or seem too difficult for them? 
to really help them to take their kiddo to the next level. And so that, I think, is the impetus for things like this book series, which is useful for speech fast and teachers, but really made for caregivers to do that with their kids at home effectively. So that's one thing I realized. I'm just a caregiver advocate, right? One to empower the children on their own and feel confident in doing so. Secondly, which seems an oxymoron, I felt, I realized that I was also dealing with imposter syndrome, which, I mean, I've heard this before. And I'm, oh, that sounds so horrible to live that way. That I was, well, wait a minute. I think you're in the same space here. I found myself getting invited to speak at different places and thinking, well, really, are you qualified? Is this information really that valuable? And having to face myself and answer these questions, remind myself, well, absolutely. No, you don't know everything about everything, but what you do know, what you do do, you do well. So away with this self-doubt, operate more in your expertise and own it. That's very recent for me when it comes to the professional colleagues and those services. I had to really walk in that and realize that about myself and in that setting with those services that I offer. You know, when I hear you talk and and listen to your story, you remind me of uh, a gal I interviewed, Crystal Sanford. She's a speech bath also. And she advocates for children with autism and helping their parents create an IEP program. And that's back on episode four for listeners that want to check it out. But something similar happened with her. She was seeing a pain point that something that kept coming up and up and up in what she was doing. And then, you know, she starts educating parents and educating these people. And long story short, now she's got her own business. She's got a course to help educate parents and stuff. And it's an organic, natural thing. And we're all in positions to see these gaps and what's going on with the services we're providing and doing more. I think it's something that we're all good at in the rehab professions. I love talking to y'all and you guys creating this and filling in the gaps and hearing your stories. And I, I think it's great. Another question I had for you was, do you have any book recommendations? It can be about creating your own speech bath business. Whatever you feel that has been helpful for you on your journey that you'd like to share with the Rehab Rebel audience. There are so, so many books. I did not really read a whole bunch about profession-specific type books, but I did more leadership development type things, right? I love Start With Why by Simon Sinek, um, for sure. So that's one that just pops to mind that I can certainly share. Folks haven't already read it. It's such a popular book, but that one definitely helped me and helps me still to really remember, get less stress, less bogged down about the details of things and focus more on why I'm doing what I'm doing. Keep myself reminded about that to keep me centered and on track with the services and products I develop and provide. I definitely recommend that book, Start With Why. For sure. Well, Tina, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and taking the time to just talk with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rehab Rebels podcast. If this podcast was useful, make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. For more information about transitioning to alternative careers, head to RehabRebels.org or follow us on Instagram at Rehab Rebels Podcast. We'll see you next time.